Hi, I'm Annie Fox for Family Confidential, Secrets of Successful Parenting. My guest today is Dr. Jennifer Wider, nationally renowned women's health expert, author, and radio host. Dr. Wider's new book, Got Teens, is co-written by Dr. Logan Lefkoff. It's the Dr. Mom's Guide to Sexuality, Social Media, and Other Adolescent Realities. Hi, Jenna, and welcome to Family Confidential. Hi, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> hey, um, you probably know I've been on the receiving end of email from teens for the last 16, going on 17 years. And um, you've got this book called Got Teens, so it really grabbed me. And it got me thinking about this other thing I read about you in the bio at the back <laughs> of the book, that you do a radio segment for Cosmo Radio. It's weekly, and it's called Am I Normal? So I thought, oh, perfect. <laughs> I need to talk to this woman because every day... Teens are writing to me from across the globe saying, is this normal? Am I normal what I'm feeling? So can we start off here just helping parents of teens, because those are my listeners, um, yes. figure out what this word normal actually means and, and or is it a myth? I think it's a myth, Annie. You know, I think we should throw the word normal out of the lexicon because we strive for this normal. And at the age of puberty, when everyone is struggling to conform and to look like everyone else, Normal becomes so much more important at that time that you're feeling all of this stress and pressure than ever before in your life. Um, and I hear questions from everybody, specifically women. I'm a women's health specialist. So women struggle with this idea and ideal of normal. And it really can be uh, stressful and, and put undue challenges and stress on women, teens and parents alike. Well, here's an interesting question because, I mean, I, I'm not a math student, but I took a lot of math classes. And what yes. I remember is mean and normal kind of meant average. It's where most people were at. Yes. And yet when you talk about appearance for women and girls, mostly what they're striving for is not anywhere near normal. Absolutely. It's such a good point. I think if we look at the images that are flooding and bombarding us, on a daily basis, whether it's from a fashion magazine or, or MTV or some of the other shows that our teens are watching. And, you know, just to name a few, Real Housewives, um, 16 and Pregnant, Jersey Shore, some of these less than desirable TV shows with these images, even the Disney Channel, where you see airbrushed images constantly of what you should look like, girls in particular and boys too. You know, it's a gender neutral conversation. And I just want to say in our book, we really tried to to talk about how boys have pressure too to conform to an ideal normal as well. Um, there's pressure really to look like what you see in the magazines and on TV and in movies, and oftentimes those are fabricated images. So how can we help our teens who are looking in the mirror with magnifying glasses and noticing everything that they think is not okay with them to just chill a little bit and relax? What's the I, best thing we can do Absolutely. as parents? It is, you know, it, first of all, our teens really have a, a, they have a right to feel comfortable in their own bodies. And I think as parents, we have a responsibility. And I really believe this is our biggest responsibility is to instill a sense of self-esteem and good body image in our children. And we have to model that behavior. I can't tell you how many women I interviewed for the book that would say to their daughter, and, and many of us do this, and it's a no fault of our own. Do I look fat in this? Do you like this? Did I lose some weight? You know, even girls and boys that are in second, third, and fourth grade are are taking these images in and assimilating them into their own thought process, and it becomes what's normal to them. So if mom feels fat or not up to par with what the standard is, then they're going to feel that way also. So the first part, I think, Annie, is really to model the behavior. 
Okay. And let's talk about the role of dads here as well, because, you know, we often have this stereotype and whether it's true or not, the dads seem to notice their daughters and comment on their physical appearance, mostly, oh, so you're looking really pretty, um, rather than accomplishments that come from inside that are real lasting gifts and talents. Yes, Annie, I couldn't agree more. I think it's a great point that you brought up. Dads have a huge responsibility here too. And it's not just with their daughters, it's with their sons. Men need to model good behavior, commenting on what people look like or how much they weigh. You know, one good example, I think, is Christina Aguilera, who's this phenomenal singer and, you know, one of the judges on The Voice. She's I gone the through, show. <laughs> me too. I'm a huge fan. And she's gone through a tremendous body image change over the last five years. And she was pregnant in between, but her weight has really fluctuated. I watched this with a group of young girls and my husband, and everybody was commenting on how skinny she looked and how great she looked. And I posed the question, you know, she has one of the best voices I've ever heard in my life, and no one was talking about her accomplishments. Um, And we tend to be a little bit more critical, I think, of women in the media than we are of men. But men and women do this alike, and we have to watch what we say in front of our kids. It's really our responsibility to pay attention to our words, because words have a lot of power, I think. So a lot of this stuff, this um, even wanting approval from your your child, you know, yes. <laughs> did I did I lose weight? Do I look fat? This kind of stuff. Um, it's so deeply ingrained that just watching your words obviously is the first part. But yes. how do moms, particularly, get healthier in themselves so that they don't even have to watch their mouth? That this is stuff is not coming out anymore. Right. And I I think that's another good point. You know, I think we are all victims of our society, so we can't really blame the parents because we're assimilating the messages that we see also as grownups. And and there's a pressure on parents today to sort of be cool. And I think that, you know, a lot of the parents that I interviewed for this book, they there's like a generation of wanting to be cool parents and they're sort of losing the ability to parent by instinct. And so I think we have to trust ourselves And know that we don't have to be an ideal weight or if we're dieting, we don't really need to talk about that. I always stress healthy eating in my house um, because I think you don't want to really use the word diet. It has such a negative connotation, Mm -hmm. but you need to pay attention to your diet because on the other hand, as parents, we're seeing this obesity epidemic in our country. So on the one hand, we have the message that we want our kids to be fit and healthy because we don't want to line them up for diabetes and heart disease and all sorts of other of these scary things that we're constantly hearing in the news. And on the other hand, we don't want to make them self-conscious of their weight. So we're walking this really tightrope as parents, and we have to find a very healthy balance. I think one of the ways is healthy eating and to make food choices in our home and to model good behavior around food choices and also around exercise and to get those into our lives and show our kids that that's important. Now, I want to segue a little bit because we've thrown the word normal out. And um, I often get email from teens who are either questioning their sexual orientation or they've got a friend who's just come out to them. Right. Or in this case of a young man who I've recently started mentoring online, he has two moms and he is the target of a lot of harassment in school because his moms are lesbians. So this idea of normal um, goes beyond body image into all aspects of our lives. How how can we help in these other areas as well? You know, this is, this was a part of the book that we explored and it really is sort of a heartbreaking part of the book because we want as parents to be able to help our kids combat intolerance and and homophobia, for example, you know, just to throw that word out with this boy that has two two moms, single sex moms. 
in a way that makes sense to them. And we're all going to have friends that are different. And I think that's really, really the point, that families don't necessarily look exactly the same, that there may be two dads and there may be two moms. I think one of the most uplifting things about writing this book was actually hearing from the kids that were so much more progressive, or they're so much more progressive than I was even as a child. And I remember going to see Lakaja Full with my dad, who's, who's such a lovely man. But I remember sitting with my family in the second row, and we were sitting next to two men that I think probably were in a relationship. And my dad was literally leaning over his chair, leaning towards me. And I, I remember... You know, I, I didn't understand why I was I was a small child. You know, we we sort of are we're clean slates as kids and we sort of pick up cues from our parents. And that was a reflection of his generation. Now our kids see Glee. They see Modern Family. They have a lot of wonderful cues on television. And even Ellen just hosts the Oscars and was openly with Portia de Rossi behind the stage. I mean, these are wonderful images that our kids are seeing. So they're a little bit more um, used to these images than, for example, I was as a child. And we have to really, we have to push that as parents. We have to explain that we may have friends that are different. There may be families that don't look alike, single-sexed families, single parents. We may be different because of race, because of religion, because of our body type, and because of our sexual orientation. And we need to welcome and celebrate those changes. The other thing I want to, yes. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's really yes. hard for parents who have not been brought up in this. Absolutely. And I was going to ask you, clearly your dad was the product of his generation. Yes. And yet look at the difference in the way you feel and think and view yes. other people. So how do you attribute breaking away from our your parents' teaching it in, in a direction of more acceptance? Well, and I think that's a good point. I think luckily, you know, my, my father never really verbalized any sort of discrimination or intolerance. I think it was his own visceral reaction, which to me is completely inappropriate. Yeah. Um, we have so many more images, and I think that really attributed to it. Our society really has become more progressive in a great way. And I think with, you know, uh, legalizing marriages between single-sex couples and just seeing the pendulum swing, it really helps all of us accept as a society moving forward these couples and these different types of families. Unfortunately, we, we experience a ton of discrimination and intolerance still in our country, whether it's because of sexual orientation or gender identity or race or religion. And that as our, as parents, I think is one of our biggest responsibilities is to teach accepting differences, no matter what they are. Accepting differences. Yes. Exactly. And so yes. when this young man says to me, I wish my family were normal, the, yes. the kid with the two moms, I wish my family were normal. He says, I love my moms, but I wish my family were normal. I understand the angst and, yes. and the, the pain that is behind that question. He feels disloyal. Of course. To want to undo the family that he has. And yet every single day at school, kids, his contemporaries who haven't yet you know, taking yes. in these images and become more open-minded in their thinking are giving him such a hard time. So if this young man came to you with this, yes. with this plea, I wish my family were normal, what answer would you give? I, I think I would show him a lot of families that look like his. You know, I would try to point to different cues in his world, you know, to try to make it okay for him, to show him as many movies or as many television shows or books even that are featuring families that look like his, to show him that while in his school and in his peer group, this may not be the norm. There are many norms outside his school. And that if he has a loving and loving, wonderful family and wonderful parents, that is by far so much more important than the fact that his family look like his neighbors or his best friend. You know, there are there are other families too that are maybe his friend's family that 
look different too. They may be single parents. They may be mixed races. Um, and, and to explain to him that everybody looks different and it's not something to feel ashamed of. But again, Annie, it's that time where kids really, really want to look like everybody else in puberty. And they're having so many changes during adolescence, just within their own bodies from this hormonal fluctuation that it becomes angst ridden and filled with anxiety. But my hope for this young man is as he, as he grows and gets a little older, that the love of his family will be the most prevailing thing for him. Right. And he has to be really clear and solid in that and the value of what he has. And that will, it won't change what's coming at him from other people, but it will um, modify his ability to to deal with it. Absolutely. And I think that's a wonderful point. And I think he's lucky to have you as a mentor because uh, (laughs) it's good to have adults that can model this and to explain to kids that normal really is, you know, a figment of people's imagination, unfortunately. So interesting. So, so as parents who, who, you know, as, as Garrison Keillor says, all our children are above average. And when they're not, um, we feel anxiety about it. As parents, how can we kind of learn to relax and accept our kids for who they are? I think it's so important. You know, I grew up very much an athlete in college. I played, you know, varsity sports and I had this vision of coaching my daughter's lacrosse team. Mm-hmm. And that was what I pictured as, as a parent. But my daughter loves theater and I was never a theater person and she's an incredible artist and she has a wonderful voice. And my thoughts of what I was going to do as a parent really sort of disappeared. And I started to celebrate her as an individual and to accept and love her for her choices and to really celebrate her own individuality. And I think that's uh, that can be an issue for parents and a challenge. We have expectations of what we think our kids are going to do, what how they're going to perform at school or maybe on a sports field um, or, you know, just their extracurricular activities. And we need to really celebrate who they are because everybody is going to make a stamp. And, and, and the point is, you know, we have our own personal stamp. And if we give them the wind, you know, if we give them the wind under their wings, I had just seen Bette Midler on the Oscar, so that's stuck in my head. But if, if we give them the support and, and, the, and the courage to be who they are, um, they're going to excel in with their own individuality. We have to throw away our expectations, I think, as parents. Which is hard because parents also aspire to peer approval. And so yes. if your kid is not quote unquote normal, then there is that disconnect you feel with other parents and the compensation that you try to, to make up for it. So Definitely. I think that it's really an important thing when you say to um throw away or at least lessen, loosen up your expectations of the child you thought you were going to have, the kind of parent-child relationship uh, vis-a-vis these shared interests that you were going to have, but also to look in the other direction, to look and see how your expectations of yourself in in relation to the parents in your community may be putting you and your family in a box. I think that's a great point. I think also, you know, many parents in my community live vicariously through their kids. I can't tell you how often I've been on the side of a sports field with my son, for example, and the parents are so into these games with even toddlers and elementary kids school, you know, elementary school age children. And I look at them and I, it just blows my mind how much pressure they place on themselves and the projection of their own maybe inadequacies as kids or what they hope to live vicariously through with their own children. Um, it's hard to be a grown up, you know, and it's hard to be a child. And I think uh, I think we do have to lessen the pressure and to realize that our kids are going to find their own way and they don't need to excel at everything and they don't need to meet your expectations um, you know, if you're an athlete that didn't live up to your own potential, you have to keep that within yourself um, and not project it onto your child. Because as Annie said, it can be damaging and it can put them into a box. Definitely. Yeah. 
Okay, so we have just a couple more minutes, Janet. Yes. And before we go, um, I, I love this whole topic of normal. I, I, I think, um, you know, we could do several segments and talking to different people about yes. this. But um, for parents of teens right now, what are your top three tips to move away from this idea of of obsessing about normal and um, exceptional, which is yes. the other part of it? Well, I think, you know, one, I think is communication. You know, I think that we downplay communication in this age of social media where our kids are texting more than looking in each other's eyes and having an interpersonal communication and relationship. It's so vital to talk to your kids face to face for a certain amount of time each day to understand what's driving them, what their loves and dislikes are, um, and to really celebrate them for who they are. So communication is my top tip. Acceptance is another tip, and I think it's easier said than done, and it sounds so cliche, but it's true. We need to really accept who our kids are. Another little anecdote, my son, who um, my daughter is a wonderful piano player. My son started playing the piano. They're three years apart, and he didn't like it. He felt inadequate compared to my daughter. He was much younger, but it wasn't his thing, Annie, and so he wanted to quit, and my husband did not want him to quit. He wanted him to play, and he made a commitment, but I really felt, you know, we made a joint decision, my husband and I, to allow him to quit and to find something that he loved. And now he's playing the drums. You know, he, he gravitated towards that. And he's asking for, we have a high school kid teaching him. He's asking for more lessons each week because it's something coming from him. Yeah. So to accept their differences, even though it can be hard, especially for my husband in this example, and, and really celebrate who they are again. So you have communication, you have acceptance. acceptance. And I think unconditional love would be my last one. Um, our kids really need to know that we're there to answer any question that they may have and that we accept who they are. Like this young man who came to you, you know, he wants to feel accepted by his peers for his family type. But most importantly, he's accepted by his moms, which I think will carry him even further throughout his life. So as parents offering unconditional love, no matter what our, our kids are, what their challenges are, what their inadequacies may be, what their strengths may be, and just let them know that you're always there. I think those are probably my top three. Those are wonderful <laughs> tips. And I would just add in the acceptance and unconditional love that we need to feel that for ourselves because Definitely. it makes it so hard if you don't feel that the projection onto your children that um, they're quite they're not quite enough of whoever they are when of course yes. they are more than enough. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well said. <laughs> Great. So I want to thank you again, and oh, uh, please thanks, tell me and our listeners where they can find out more about the book that you've just written and about your work. Sure. So um, the book is called Got Teens, The Dr. Mom's Guide to Sexuality, Social Media, and Other Adolescent Realities. And it's available on Amazon and also Barnes and Nobles. Um, and uh, my website is drwider, D-R-W-I-D-E-R.com, which shows a lot of my work, including the radio show and, and some of the other projects I'm working on. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jenna. This has been Annie, really fun. Annie, thank you very much. I'm Annie Foxer, Family Confidential. To learn more about my work with tweens, teens, and parents, visit AnnieFox.com. And tune in next week for a new podcast. Till then, happy parenting!